Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices, Past and Present. Brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, www.ihconvention.com. The sermon you're going to hear today was preached in 1982 by Earl Newton, and he titles it, We Are More Than Conquerors. I know you're going to enjoy this sermon. Say again, I have certainly appreciated the splendid singing, wonderful music that we have enjoyed while being here at God's Bible School. And I just uh, whispered to Brother Miller, I said, Brother Miller, do they have all the music of this meeting on tape? He said, yes, sir. I said, well, I want to get it. <laughs> Amen. I want to listen to it in days to come. Sometimes, you know, when the pressure's on and you can just get out some of this good music when revival was on and it'll lift you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to take just a moment this morning to express my appreciation for the privilege to have been here at God's Bible School. When Brother Miller first called me and asked me if I would come for the meeting, it scared me almost to death. And I did my very best to think of something, some reason I wanted to have a revival or something, you know, some reason why I couldn't be here. And I got out my schedule and I looked at it and I couldn't find a thing. But just to be honest with you about it, we did have an IH convention, and I'm supposed to be chairman of that convention, and it was this very same week. But I didn't know it at that time. <laughs> And I didn't have the heart to call him back and tell him I wouldn't come. <laughs> but uh, we have enjoyed this meeting tremendously. God, the Holy Ghost, has been present. And amen, we have appreciate, appreciated his ministering to each of our hearts. Praise the Lord. Now, if you haven't received any help and you haven't been ministered to by the Holy Ghost, it's your own fault because he's been here. And we certainly appreciate the tremendous offering that you have given us. Brother Noel said you gave us enough to get out of town. You gave us enough to get out of town and get back again <laughs> and then go some other places. And we deeply appreciate it. We're not going to keep it all. We're going to send some back to God's Bible school and we're going to put the rest of it, every bit we can, into the work of the Lord. Amen. My wife and I decided a long time ago that if the Lord sent us anything extra along the way, why, we'd just invest it. Now, I'm not talking about putting it in a bank down here, but we decided we'd put it in the bank of the New Jerusalem. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and we've made that a practice through the years, and we've had some emergencies. I mean, we've had some times when there were hospital bills and hospital experiences and so forth, and... And uh, we didn't have a dime on hand. My wife had to go to the hospital some time back for surgery, and, and she was in the hospital for around 10 days, and they called me in just before we... Well, I, wouldn't, I didn't plan to admit her. We were just going to take her up for some tests, and they said, my, we're going to have to admit your wife. So they took me around up to this admitting office, and they said, now, uh, we need $400 down <laughs> And uh, I said, well, I'm sorry. 
I had my check that I had received that month from the school. It was around $170. Just had received it. I told them, I said, uh, I don't have it, but I said, I'll be glad to sign my check and we'll turn it over to all. They said, but uh, we can't do that. We'll have to have the cash. I said, well, if you can't take her, why, we'll just take her back home. And they said, uh, well, we'll, we'll work out something with you. <laughs> And uh, I reminded them that uh, we'd had about three children born there, and I said, you can check the records. I said, I think every bill is paid. And uh, so they went ahead and admitted her, and time, by the time she was coming out of the hospital, why, there was $1,100 owed. And uh, from the time she went in until she came out, and I never told her soul, never mentioned it to anybody, but I received through the mail and was handed to me, you know how much? After I took my tithe out, there was $1,100, exactly enough to pay the bill. <laughs> well, that's better than insurance. <laughs> but you know, that didn't include the doctor bill. And about a month later, why? It came time for the doctor bill to be paid, and it was $480, right about that amount. And the day came, and we didn't have a, we didn't have a thing. And uh, I told my wife, I said, well, I said, God's been good to us. He's taken care of every bill so far. And I said, we'll trust him. And I went to the mailbox that morning, and a man sent me a $500 check. I mean, he lived a long ways from me. I don't think he even knew my wife had been in the hospital. He had never sent me anything in the past. He's never sent me anything since then. But I had a $500 check in the mail on the very day that the, the doctor bill arrived. <laughs> Amen. Well, friends, that's happened time and time again, just multiplied over and over. But you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong if you'll put your faith and confidence in God and invest in the kingdom of Christ and trust him with all that there is of you. Praise God. He'll see you through. Glory to God. He's never failed. Shall we pray? Father, we're grateful for thy help in days past. We're in a new service this morning, and Lord, we can't depend upon the blessings of the past for this morning, even though we deeply appreciate them. We're looking to thee for this hour. We pray that thou shalt touch our minds and our hearts. And Lord, help us, we pray, just like we need help from God, not only this morning, but throughout the day. And bless every heart again, we pray, in divine presence, for Jesus' sake, amen. Now I'm just going to talk to us for a little while, primarily, mainly to the students. I want to talk to us about something that uh, I trust will help us after the meeting is over. If you have your Bibles, we want to read a portion of Scripture from the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. The Apostle Paul said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You know, I'm glad this morning that there's not a force on earth or in hell that can separate us from Jesus Christ against our will. And I might add, there's not a force on earth or in heaven that can join you to Christ against your will. Now, I'm saved this morning, and I know I'm saved, 
but I'm not eternally saved because I'm not in eternity. I'm still a free moral agent. I'm still a creature of choice. And just because I got old-time religion, brother, it didn't take away my free moral agency. You may be lost this morning, but thank God you're not eternally lost because you're not in eternity. You're still a creature of choice. And friend, you can throw your will over on God's side and there's not enough devils in hell to keep you from going to heaven if you will to go there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril our sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. The apostle Paul said, because of the stand that I take for Jesus Christ, I face death daily. Verse 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor powers, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory to God. Brother, that's enough to make a Presbyterian shout. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to talk to us for a little while tonight from the thought of more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Taking for a text, verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now another passage of scripture says, Who causeth us always to triumph. I like that. You say, but preacher, didn't you ever read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9? Where the apostle Paul said, we are troubled on every side. Said there's trouble on the right hand, there's trouble on the left, there's trouble overhead, there's trouble underneath. There's trouble in front of us, there's trouble behind us. Said, where on earth is there any victory there? Well, here's the victory. He said, yet not distressed. Or in other words, he said, in spite of all the trouble, we're not frustrated. We're still trusting God. All the trouble we've seen hasn't altered the direction in which we're headed. And like Job of old, we can say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Brother, there's the victory. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. And then he said, we are perplexed. My, you said, well, preacher, where is there any victory there? When we're so perplexed, when there's so many things that we can't understand, there's so many things that I just can't figure out. You know, the best thing for you to do is to get you one of these little mystery bags. Now, it's invisible. You can't see it. But when you come up to things in your spiritual walk with the Lord that you can't figure out and you can't understand, just throw them in that little mystery bag. And when you get to heaven, you can open it up and then you can find out what it was all about. <laughs> he said, we are perplexed. Well, where's the victory there? Well, here's the victory. He said, but not in despair. Isn't that wonderful? 
In other, said, in other words, he said, praise God, said even though there's a lot of things we, we don't understand and we can't figure out, he said, we're not going to quit. We're not even going to get down in the mouth. You won't even catch us with the bully grubs. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're just going to keep right on going. And then he said, persecuted. My, you said, well, preacher, where is there any victory there when I'm, I'm just being persecuted? You remember the apostle Paul? He said, on one occasion, no man stood with me. He said, all men forsook me. But friends, here's the victory. He said, persecuted, but not forsaken. He said, notwithstanding, he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Glory to God. And then he said, cast down. Now, he didn't say downcast. <laughs> He said, cast down. You say, well, preacher, where is there any victory when we're cast down? You remember the apostle Paul was hated and despised by the Jews. They hounded him from one city to the next. Brother, they were after his blood. He said, we are counted as the filth and the offscouring of all things. But later on in life, he said, having obtained help from God, he said, I continue unto this day. <laughs> Cast down, here's the victory, but not destroyed. Brother, he said, thank God, we're still a-kicking. Glory to God, we're still shouting. We're still testifying. We're still preaching the gospel. Cast down, but not destroyed. There's the victory. Now, friends, the reason you and I can be more than conquerors is because the captain of our salvation was. And we're in him and he's in us. And John said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I got to thinking about that one day and I said, well, praise God, he is greater. He's greater in his throne. He's greater in his power. He's greater in his wisdom. He's greater in his knowledge. He's greater in his love. He's greater in his riches. He's greater in his joy. He's greater in his peace. He's greater in his light. He's greater in his witness. He's greater than all gods. He's greater than all nations. He's greater than all men. Brother, I'm glad that a greater than Solomon is here. <laughs> Brother, I'll readily confess, I don't have any sense nor wisdom to amount to anything, but he does. <laughs> The Samaritan woman said, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? I'm glad that a greater than our father Jacob is here. The Pharisee said, Art thou greater than our father Abraham? I'm glad that a greater than our father Abraham is here. He's greater than all of his servants. He's greater than all of our burdens. He's greater than all sin. He's greater than in his judgment. He's greater in his wrath. He's greater in his condemnation. He's greater than death. He's greater than hell. He's greater than the grave. And you remember Paul said when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. Glory to God. <laughs> well, I say praise God. Brother, if God be for us, who can be against us? I like the way one fellow interpreted that scripture. He said if God be for us, everybody else just as well be. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
In the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, the apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now I remember when I was in Bible school. I hadn't been saved too long. The Lord had graciously saved me and three weeks later he had sanctified me wholly. And one morning early, I woke up about five o'clock and was laying there talking to the Lord in bed and the Lord whispered to my heart and he said, Son, I want you to preach the gospel. That scared me. Oh, that scared me. And I didn't tell a soul about it. But a few days after that, Brother Phipps, our school president, got up in chapel on Monday morning and he called one of the students by name and he said, uh, so-and-so will be preaching in chapel on Tuesday morning. And he said, so-and-so will be preaching in chapel on Wednesday morning. And he said, and Earl Newton will be speaking in chapel on Thursday morning. <laughs> and brother, that's all I heard. <laughs> I don't know what he said after that. But that scared me almost to death, and I'm not exaggerating. And when we got down to pray, I just burst into tears. And I said, oh, God, I just can't do it. I can't do it. And you know, the Lord whispered these words into my heart, son. I can do all things through Christ, <laughs> which strengtheneth me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The revised version says, I can do all things in him that strengtheneth me. Friends, it's only in Christ, in spiritual union with him, that the Christian is at all self-sufficient. His presence gives strength to do and suffer all things. Without him, we can do nothing. In him, we can do all things. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So even in our weakest moments, we should not and must not be discouraged. Just because we're human and cast about with infirmities and the world and the flesh and the devil is against us, we dare not shrink from the battle. Within ourselves, we are indeed weak and helpless. But in the strength of the presence of Jesus Christ, we can do all things. The Bible says all things are possible to him that believeth. And God giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to notice about three thoughts under this text this morning. The first thought I'd like for us to notice is that through Christ we are more than conquerors in the temptations of life. Now I wonder sometimes if preachers preach enough along this matter of temptation. Just about every individual that ever goes down, they go down through this avenue of temptation. And friend, it doesn't make any difference how goodly saved or sanctified you may be. There's not a one of us that's exempt from this matter of temptation. In fact, Peter said there are times when God's people are in heaviness through manifold or through many temptations. But I like what James said about it. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, brother, that sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Peter said we're in heaviness, and James said to shout about it. <laughs> and I'll confess to you this morning, one of the hardest things I've ever tried to do is to have a shouting spell when the devil was just literally pressing me sore. But you know, a few times in my life I have. <laughs> yes. 
You said, what do you mean? Well, I've just gone to the place of prayer out in the woods or over in the church basement, and, and I've just had a dry shouting spell. <laughs> hey, but did you ever have a dry shouting spell? If you haven't, you ought to try it. Just right in the teeth of the devil. Said, praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless his name anyhow. Glory be to God. You said shouting because you felt like it? No, I was shouting for joy. Didn't have any. The Bible says to shout for joy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother, it'll work. <laughs> but you, you know, really, there's no contradiction there. God's people are the only people on, the, on earth that can laugh and cry at the same time. Paul said it's sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Glory to God. You say, but preacher, you, you don't understand what awful temptations I have. No, I'll confess to you, I don't. But I know this. I know the book says, for we have a high priest which cannot be touched. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. First Corinthians ten thirteen. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you, friend, when the devil's pressing you sore, keep your eyes on Jesus. You remember the book of Psalms? The, the psalmist said he will guide you with his eye. Now, my father taught me that. <laughs> I remember when in Sunday school, you know, when we were in Sunday school and I was just sort of a mischievous little boy and, and maybe I was whispering just a little. All my father had to do was just cut those eyes. And he could guide me with his eye. <laughs> and I tell you, if you just keep your eyes fixed on him when the devil's pressing you so and it doesn't seem like there's any way out, it won't be long until he'll put his eye on the way out. And all you'll have to do is hit the trail. Glory to God. <laughs> Again, we read, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. I read that one day and I thought to myself, well, I wonder what that word succor means. So I went to the dictionary and I looked it up and one of the definitions it gave, it said to give military aid or assistance. My, that thrilled me. I said, thank you, Lord. You know, friends, the, de the, the Lord is able to send a whole legion of angels clad in military apparel with their swords drawn and gleaming to deliver you out of the temptation of the devil if need be. Remember, Peter said, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. And you've read what the angels are for. The Bible says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? <laughs> and you remember John saw them over there around the throne of God in the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation. And he said they numbered 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. <laughs> now, when Uncle Buddy went to heaven and returned, he said, he said in the angels, 
He said, the only way I can express it, he said there were just millions and millions. And I used to wonder why John didn't just say there were millions of them up there. But I found out that in John's day, they didn't have a number any larger than 10,000. So the only way John could express it, he just said there's 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. <laughs> I'll tell you, friends, God has enough military personnel and equipment to take care of us if we want to be taken care of. And then you remember Jesus said, watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Now, he didn't say watch and pray that ye be not tempted. But he said, watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The songwriter said, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return. Sweet hour of prayer. Oh, I'm glad to tell you this morning, in the hour of temptation, we can come to God and let him strengthen us. Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, friends, God has promised us strength as of the day. He said the outward man may perish, but the inward man is renewed day by day. And you know the devil gets after every one of us through this avenue of temptation. Brother, he puts his bloodhounds on our trail. But you know the thing we need to do is to go to the lily of the valley. Praise the Lord. I believe it's in Scotland. They claim they raise these vast field, fields of lilies, just acre after acre of nothing but lilies. And they claim that the hunters will get out on the hillsides in the fall of the year and they'll turn their old bloodhounds loose and it won't be long until they'll jump a deer. And they tell me that that deer will immediately head for the lily field. And if it can get to the lily field, they claim that it'll go right out in the center of the field and it'll lie down. It knows that if it can get to the lily patch, it's safe. They claim there's such a fragrance and such an aroma from those lilies until the hounds can't trail the deer in the lily patch. And when they come to the lily field, they'll just turn around and go in search of another deer. I'll tell you, friends, many, many have been the time when the devil has put his hounds on my trail and I headed for the lily of the valley. Glory to God. Laid down in the everlasting arms of Jesus. Looked all around and the devil was gone. Say, I'm glad to say to you this morning that through him we can be more than conquerors in the temptations of life. Now I want you to notice, Father, this morning that through him we can be more than conquerors in the trials of life. Now, friends, we can't evade the trials of life. Remember this, you won't always live on the mountaintop. You see, our love and our faith must be tested. 
Peter said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Brother, God didn't promise to take us to heaven on flowery beds of ease. Just because we got saved, just because we got old-time religion doesn't mean that everything's going to be rosy and, and that everything's going to be smooth sailing. Seems like I read over there where John said, uh, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. <laughs> Paul said that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Brother, it takes the clouds to make the rainbow. And forever rose, there's always a thorn. And the brook sings best and sings loudest when it's filled with rocks. And it takes the darkness to bring the stars out. I know, I know there's times when we come to hard places in our Christian experience and the road gets rough and it seems like we're walking in the fire. Our faith is tested almost to the limit. And brother, this is when the old devil, old Satan will come around and he may suggest to you, you might just as well to quit. You're not accomplishing anything. You might just as well to give up. Why don't you just go on back out into sin? You know the devil had the audacity to even suggest to Jesus Christ that he quit serving God. He said, just fall down and worship me. And I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. But you know, I noticed every time the devil came around, Jesus Christ used the sword on him. He said, devil, it is written. Devil, it is written. <laughs> Devil, it is written. <laughs> and David said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And listen to me. This is a good time just to unsheathe your Jerusalem blade, turn up your ram's horn, sound the alarm of battle, and wait in on the old boy. <laughs> said, old devil, I want you to know that my Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Did you hear that, devil? And devil, how do you like this? And when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest in the fire, thou shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. How'd you like that one, old boy? <laughs> and old devil, how do you like this one? That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. How'd you like that, old boy? <laughs> and amen, devil, how do you like this one? For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from this 
them that walk uprightly. Amen, devil. How'd you like that? <laughs> and devil, how do you like this one? The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in thee. Amen. I said, devil, how'd you like that one? <laughs> and devil, how do you like this one? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. <laughs> Amen, devil. How'd you like it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Say this morning, friends, with God on our side and the Holy Ghost on our side and Jesus on our side and the angels on our side and the saints on our side and prayer on our side and the word on our side. We ought to be able to say in the face of every temptation and in the face of every trial that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Glory to God. Rather the saints down through the centuries that have had old time Bible salvation as long as they held on to God and held on to this great salvation Brother, even though they met with all kind of trials and even though they met with all kind of tests, I read where they were made more than conquerors. Listen, while they subdued kingdoms, think of it, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, Wax valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. But listen, these all obtained a good report card. <laughs> and their heavenly father was well pleased because they had the faith. Glory to God. <laughs> Brother, I read where this great salvation got in the fire one time. In the form of the three Hebrew boys. But the fire couldn't burn it out of them. They became known as God's asbestos saints. Brother, this salvation got in the water one time in the form of the Apostle Paul. You remember that old storm raged for 14 days and 14 nights. There were 275 on board beside the Apostle Paul. And when it seemed that all hope was gone, you remember the Apostle Paul went down into the sides of the ship and the Lord appeared to him. And he said, Paul, <clears throat> he said, you're going to lose the old boat. <laughs> but I've given you all that are aboard. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the apostle Paul came back up on deck and he looked that old storm in the face. And he said, I believe God. And the water couldn't drown it out of him. <laughs> and brother, it got in the jails and the jails couldn't suffer it out of them. 
I was reading not long ago where E. e. Shellhammer was preaching on the streets down in a certain city in Florida. The policeman came by and put the handcuffs on him and said, uh, you can't preach on the streets in this city. Took him off to jail. Brother Shellhammer said they put him in a, a little old, dirty, dingy, oh, he said the stench was awful, just a little small cell. And he said, I looked up, and he said about nine feet up, there was a window about two feet by four feet, bars in the window. And he said, I managed to get up on the windowsill and hold on to the bars. And he said, I watched the people as they passed by on the street below. And he said, I begin to announce that there will be preaching from this pulpit this evening at 7 o'clock. <laughs> and he said, when the hour rolled around, he said, a great crowd had gathered to hear the preacher preach from the jail cell window. He said, among those who came was his precious little wife. And he said they sang some songs and had some testimonies and had prayer. And Brother Shellhammer said, I preached to them and said right about the close of the message, the old jailer came rushing in. He looked up and said, Shellhammer, get down out of that window. He said, if you preach from that window again, he said, I have orders to lock you in the inner cell. And he said, furthermore, you're going to have to work the streets tomorrow. Brother Shellhammer said, I looked down at my little wife and said, Honey, bring up my work clothes. They tell me I'm going to have to work the streets tomorrow because I preached from the cell window. Brother Shellhammer said, One man hollered out of the crowd and said, No, you won't either, preacher. He said, I'm going to work in your place. He said, Another man called out and said, Say, preacher, said, Just tell us the moment you want out and said, The jail door will come down. Brother, Brother Shellhammer said, I looked at him and said, now, now hold on, men. He said, no violence. He said, I, I'll not come out until the mayor comes up here and unlocks the door and lets me out. And he said, about that time, a great big old fella turned to that crowd and lifted his fist in the air. He said, every man in this crowd that is a man said, let me see your fist. And he said, about 20 fists went up. He said, the orders were, fall in line and follow me. He said they marched down to the mayor's house, knocked on the door, and got him out of bed. <laughs> and they looked at him and said, Mayor, we want you to go up yonder and let that preacher out of jail. And said, if you don't know how, said, we're going to show you how. <laughs> And Brother Shellhammer said, needless to say, the mayor came up, unlocked the door, and said, Shellhammer, you may go. <laughs> Brother Shellhammer said, I stepped out over the threshold, and he said, it felt so good to be free. He said, I looked at that crowd of men and said, men, let's sing the doxology. And he said, they sang, praise God from whom all blessings flow. He said, it was the first time in my life I'd ever seen a group of men fighting mad sing the doxology. <laughs> But he said it sounded so good, I had him repeat it. Brother, it got in the jails, and the jails couldn't suffer it out of it. It got in the lion's den, and the lions wouldn't eat it. I have an idea. When they threw old Daniel in the, in the den of lions, I just have an idea. One of those old lions looked over at another one, and he said, uh, Why don't you bite him? Well, he, he said, I, I can't. He said, I've got the lockjaw. 
He said, why don't you? Well, he said, uh, I've got the lock jaw too. But he said, I don't believe I'd bite him even if I could. He said, uh, that fellow's all backbone and I like meat. <laughs> Hallelujah. The lions will need it. <laughs> and listen, friends. The ice won't freeze it, and the sun won't scorch it. There's something about this great salvation. When you get it down in your soul, it just loves to be in the presence of God. And, <laughs> and really, it doesn't pay much attention to the weather. Brother, it goes to church when it's hot, and it goes to church when it's cold. And then, friends, it never grows old. Brother, aren't you glad for something that's just as fresh as the dew every morning? Amen. Uncle Buddy said it won't keep you from snoring in your sleep, but he said it'll cause you to wake up in a good humor. <laughs> Praise the Lord, it never grows old. I, there was an old man over in uh, West Point, Virginia, right up close to where my wife was raised. <clears throat> Reared, I guess. And uh, he lived to be 99 and a half years old. Old Brother Guthrie. <laughs> a saint of God had been a preacher in his day. We were up visiting right after we were married, up visiting my wife's people, and we were coming back through West Point, and I told my wife, I said, honey, and we were in a hurry too, but I said, honey, you see, this, this man lived back during the Civil War. Am I above the Mason and Dixie line? <laughs> he, he lived back during the Civil War, you know, and there was a couple of questions that I had in my mind. I wanted to ask him about the Civil War. And I told my wife, I said, Honey, I'm just going to drop by and see Brother Guthrie just for a moment. In fact, uh, I told her, just stay in the car. I said, I'll be right back. I said, he may not be living when we get back up here again. And I've got a couple of questions I want to ask him. So I pulled in front of the house and got out real quick and ran in the house. And old brother, brother Guthrie was sitting there just snow white, just his hair, just snow white. And just sort of made you think of this fellow right here. His hair was real bushy like, you know, only it was snow white. <laughs> and just went back. And <laughs> he, looked, he looked like, well, I guess he looked like you could imagine old Caleb and Joshua would have looked. And I spoke to him, and, and I, I told him, I said to Brother Guthrie, I just have a moment, but I, I said I had a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. And uh, it's, I said it concerns the Civil War, and I asked him one of those questions, and when I did, he, he sort of shook his head, and he looked at me, and he said, uh, you know, he said, my mind is, my mind is so foggy. He said, he said I, I'm just so old. He said, I just can't recall like I used to. Well, I said, that's all right, Brother Guthrie. But anyway, I said, I want to speak to you. And, and I said, I'm going to have to be going. But I said, how, how is it with your soul today? <laughs> and brother, when I said that, I said the wrong thing. His face lit up like a light bulb. And brother, he went way back to when he was a boy and he told me how God saved him and how God sanctified him and how the Lord called him to preach. And then he started in one experience right after another and 30 minutes later I was sitting there. I couldn't, I couldn't get it. Why, friends, it was as fresh as the dew. Glory to God. It never grows old. Hallelujah. And then in closing... I want us to notice this morning that through him we are more than conquerors over the greatest tool that the devil has to use against the church. 
Now, I read a fable some time back, and it went somewhat like this. It said the devil called a conference down in the regions of the dam of all of his wisest little demons. And he said to them, fellas, that holiness outfit up there is making too much progress. We've got to find some way to slow them down. And he said one little old demon jumped to his feet. He said, your majesty, I have it, send me. He said, what are you going to do? Oh, he said, I'll go up there and I'll go in and out of the churches. And he said, I'll tell them that there's no hell. The devil said, that's good, that's good. And he said, that'll work on some folk. But he said, that won't work on that holiness crowd. He said, they know better than that. And about that time, another little demon jumped to his feet. He said, your majesty, he said, I have it, send me. He said, what are you going to do? Oh, he said, I'll go up there and I'll go in and out of the churches and I'll tell the people there's no heaven, no hell, no hereafter at all. That when they die, they're just like an animal. That's the end of it. The devil said that's good and said that'll work on a lot of folk, but that won't work on that holiness crowd. He said, they know better than that. Another little demon jumped to his feet. He said, your majesty, he said, I have it, send me. The devil said, and what are you going to do? Well, he said, I'll go up there and I'll go in and out of the churches and I'll tell the folk that if they're one time saved, that they're eternally saved. That no matter what they do, if they've ever been one time saved, they'll eventually make it to heaven. And the devil grinned real big. And he said, that's good. And he said, that'll work on a lot of folk. But he said, that won't work on that holiness crowd. He said, they know better than that. And finally, a little demon jumped to his feet. He said, your majesty, he said, I have it, send me. He said, what are you going to do? Well, he said, I'll go up there and I'll go in and out of the churches and I'll go up and down the aisles and in and out of the pews. And he said, I'll discourage them. And the devil said, good, good. He said, I believe that'll work. We'll send you. And I believe he did, don't you? <laughs> Brother, I don't believe I've ever seen a day in the church world when discouragement is running so high and faith is at such a low ebb. You're right. You're right. But I want to remind you this morning, friends, the Bible still says the just shall live by faith. And discouragement will come around and say there's no use trying. But faith says, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Discouragement may say, but others have tried and failed. Faith says this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Discouragement may say, but we have tried and failed like others. Faith says forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Discouragement may say, but the people are too hard to reach. Faith says he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Discouragement may say, but the people have no convictions. 
Faith says, when Zion travaileth, she bringeth forth children. Discouragement may say, but the competition is too strong. Faith says, but the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Discouragement may say, the expenses will be too great. Faith says, the earth is the Lord's, and the cattle thereof. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and the cattle on a thousand hills. And Uncle Buddy said, and all the taters in the hill. Glory to God. <laughs> Discouragement may say, it is getting worse all the time. Faith says the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. Discouragement may say we must live in defeat and die in despair. Faith says, huh. Says let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome them. <laughs> Discouragement says I just can't do it. Faith says I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Discouragement says, but you're fighting a losing battle. Faith says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Glory to God. Shall we stand? Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on.